Thank you, Jackie and Emma Jane. Uh, good morning again for, my, for our guests. My name's Anton. I'm Senior Minister here. And uh, the Football World Cup is on in the early hours of tomorrow morning, France versus Argentina. And the World Cup is basically the only time I watch soccer. Uh, I'm not a massive fan of the sport, but uh, I'm happy to jump on the bandwagon for the World Cup. And uh, SBS very helpfully puts together highlights of the matches uh, into what I call optimum Anton interest level highlights. <laughs> Not the two-minute version, which is a uh, three-minute version. Now, watching a whole 90 minutes of soccer is a bit beyond me, uh, particularly if it's a replay. But uh, they have an option for a 25-minute version of each match. And that's what I call the optimum Anton interest level because it's long enough to capture the story of the game and all that happens, but it's not too long uh, so that I lose, uh, so it holds my attention. Uh, but even at the optimum highlight uh, length, a funny thing happened when I was watching Argentina versus Croatia in the semi-final. Uh, if you didn't catch the game, again, that's okay. Uh, but the first half, that was, that was pretty exciting. Two goals scored by Argentina, uh, lots of action, lots of excitement. Uh, and the second goal was kind of at the very uh, start of the half, oh, so just before half time. And so the next little bit of time was still fairly exciting. You know, two, if it's 2-0 up, all it takes is one goal from the other team to, uh, to make a game of it again. But then on the 69th minute, Argentina scored another goal. Uh, so it was 3-0. And do you know what happened to me after that? Even watching the optimum Anton highlights length of, of, uh, of highlights, when it got to 3-0, I completely switched off. <laughs> completely switched off. Uh, the replay, I still had the replay on, but I did other things. I was distracted. I paid no attention. And so when the game finished, I thought to myself, I have no idea what happened in that last 21 minutes of the game. Uh, all the action that happened earlier on, the result was clear. I had completely switched off. Now, get ready for the tenuous link. I, <laughs> I think the book of Exodus is a bit like the Argentina-Croatia soccer match. The first half of the book of Exodus, this is what we've been doing all term, the first half of the book of Exodus uh, is all, it's lots of action. They're in Egypt, we've got angry Pharaoh, God sends plagues, we've got the burning bush and the Red Sea, thunder and lightning at Mount Sinai, and uh, the giving of the Ten Commandments. Lots happen, happens in that first half of Exodus. The next few chapters that we've looked over the last couple of weeks uh, is the giving of the law. And again, maybe not quite as action-packed as earlier on, but, uh, but still a little bit interesting to see uh, God's plan for Israel. Uh, but then, the final chunk of chapters... From chapter 25, it's kind of where we switch off. Kind of where we switch off. All the actions happened. The result is clear. What kind of is the point of that, those, uh, last, that last chunk? Because if you read it, we got a little bit of a taste in it from the first reading from Emma Jane. Uh, it's full of building instructions or commands to make things. Uh, feel free to open up to Exodus 25. Uh, you, can, uh, you can flick through all the headings of the things that were to be made. Let me give you a taste, though. Uh, so the Lord, God, says to the Hebrews, uh, Exodus 25, 10, have them make an ark of acacia wood. 
two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold, both inside and out, and make a gold molding around it. And then it goes on more about the ark. Or uh, in verse 23, make a table of acacia wood. Again, two cubits long, a cubit wide, cubit and a half high. Or 31, make a lampstand of pure gold. Or next chapter, 26, make the tabernacle with 10 curtains of finely twisted linen and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn with cherubim woven into them by a skilled worker, etc., etc. On and on about how what Israel were to build or make. And uh, so God says, build this into these dimensions, use this material, carve these images on it. And then, if that wasn't enough to go, go to go through all the instructions of God saying, this is what you are to make, guess what the Hebrews do? They make it. And guess what happens in the book of Exodus? It records everything that they made in all the detail. And so we see in 36, chapter 36, all those who were skilled among the workers made the tabernacle with ten curtains of finely twisted linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarn with cherubim woven into them by expert hands. Or chapter 37, Bezael made an ark of acacia wood. Or in 37.10, they made the table of acacia wood. Or verse 17, they made the lampstand of pure gold. It describes in great detail the Hebrews doing all the things. They went and made them. They went and built all the things. Surely going through all this is switch-off time for the book of Exodus. But we must let our theology, our understanding of God, speak into our thoughts and feelings. All Scripture is God's Word, and it's useful for helping us know God and live righteous lives. Even the switch-off bits are God's word to you. And God has a great word to say to you and to me today. So let me pray and ask that God will speak to us through this part of Exodus. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your word. Even the parts which seem less relevant or less interesting, please speak to us today so that we may see your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, a couple of questions that will help us hear from God today. Firstly, let's think about, well, what are these chapters about? What are these chapters about? And secondly, why are they so important to take up such a large portion of the book of Exodus? Well, why are they, what, are they, what are these chapters all about? They're largely about the tabernacle. The tabernacle. So right at the start of these chapters, uh, God says this, then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. So firstly, what on earth is a tabernacle? Well, it's basically a big special tent. You know, if we were really committed to having morning tea outside today, we'd need to put up a marquee or something on the uh, on the lawn because of, of the weather. It's a little bit like that. Uh, this is a recreation of it. Uh, it's a big special tent. When the Hebrews were wandering around the desert, they all lived in tents. And so this was God's tent. They, had, they were to set up God's tent. And so wherever they went, they would uh, set up this tabernacle in the middle of their camp. 
And as you've heard, there were lots of tabernacle furnishings as well, including the Ark of the Covenant from Indiana Jones fame, uh, a lampstand, a table, a basin for ceremonial washing, an altar for sacrifices. There are also instructions on what the priests who would serve in the tabernacle, what they would wear. Here's what they'd look like if an American would wear them. Another recreation. He looks really thrilled about his role there. But God commands them to make the tabernacle and all these other things. And then God's people build and make all the things as the Lord commanded Moses, just as the Lord commanded Moses. That's what's kind of in those chapters. But why are they so important? It's a third of the book of Exodus dedicated to building the tabernacle. Well, it's all to do with what the tabernacle is for and what it symbolizes. Let's go back to our verse in 20, uh, chapter 25 again. It says, then make them have, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them, says the Lord. The tabernacle was the place where God dwelt with his people, where God was to reside with his people. And remember, that is the whole goal of Exodus. The Hebrews were rescued out of slavery so they didn't have to serve their masters in Egypt anymore. They were given the law so that they could live for God. Now all that they needed was God himself. The tabernacle was the place where they could meet God, where they could do business with God, where they could worship God. Because that's the whole point of Exodus, isn't it? Moses said to Pharaoh right back at the start, let my people go so that they may worship me. Exodus is how God's people move from slavery in Egypt to service of God, of Yahweh. And so the tabernacle was where God was. They needed God. And it's where he would dwell with his people. In fact, the word tabernacle in Hebrew, comes from the word to dwell. So those two words are linked. The tabernacle is the dwelling of God in which he would dwell with his people. But hang on, how does that work with what we know about God? Firstly, isn't God everywhere? Isn't he omnipresent? God everywhere? Or maybe we think, oh, God is up in heaven. How can he come down and dwell here on earth? Why does he need a particular place on earth to dwell? Well, it's like me and my accountant. Get ready for another tenuous link. Uh, I'm not saying my accountant is omnipresent. Uh, he's, a, he's actually a friend from uh, an old church, so uh, we can hang out anywhere, I guess. But when I need to get my tax done, when I want to do business with my accountant, I go to his office in the city. When the Hebrews want to do business with God, they'd go to the tabernacle. That was the place to do business with God. That's where they could approach God, to worship him, to offer sacrifices, to make atonement from sin. The tabernacle was his, was God's business address. And it's the point where heaven, God in heaven, and earth meet. 
Here's biblical scholar Barry Webb on this. He says, the tabernacle gives concrete expression to the truth that God is both up there and down here, transcendent and imminent. But his imminence is a choice, an expression of his freely made covenant commitment to be with his people on earth, to dwell among them as a divine king. See, the tabernacle was this place showing the commitment of God to be with his people. And so rather than this being the boring bit of Exodus, it's the climax. It's what it's all heading towards. The building of the tabernacle means that God has come to dwell with his people. Let me read to you the very end of Exodus again. Exodus 40, 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. See how the glory of the Lord fills the tabernacle mentioned twice. The Hebrews, they now have God. He has come to dwell with them, to be with them constantly. They now have access to God, a way to come before God, a place to worship him. And so for them, if God was for them, if God was with them, what confidence they would have. Who would stand against them? Who would, uh, who would stand in their way if God was with them? How good it must be to have God dwelling in their midst. But also if God was with them, they needed to be holy. If you read through those last few chapters, everything that had to do with the tabernacle had to be consecrated and made holy, set apart for special use when people met with God. So they had to anoint and consecrate the table and the lampstand and the altar, even the barbecue utensils used at the altar. They had to be made holy. Anything that had to do with God had to be holy. In fact, the tabernacle itself was designed to show the holiness of God. The people had to follow the instructions of the tabernacle exactly because God was going to dwell there. And you heard of all the gold and ornate fabrics that were used to reflect God's royalty. And there were three kind of separate parts of the tabernacle, which we heard in the Hebrews reading. There's the outer courtyard, kind of with the fence around it. And then the tent itself, there was the holy place in the, the tent bit. But then even in that is the most holy place. And there's increasing amounts of restricted access and particular ceremonial rituals of cleansing that had to be done before anyone could approach God. It's to display his holiness. It's a constant reminder of his holiness. And so the tabernacle is the climax of the Exodus story because by it, the holy God is dwelling with his people. God has come down to them so that they may worship him, so that God's people can have access to the God who is holy. And so now the God who has saved them is among them so they can serve him.
That's how Exodus ends. But it's not the end of the story for God's people with humanity. Over a thousand years later, God's people receive a new word from the Lord. Let me read to you from John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So we get an introduction here to this Word, God's Son as the Word of God who was fully God and with God from the beginning. But then the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. We'll sing in a minute of the word of the father now in flesh appearing. Can you see there the word becomes flesh, becomes human. And what's it say? He made his dwelling among us. That's the tabernacle word again. There's a new way of God dwelling with his people. And it's in this word. And we, and in the word, we see his glory. The glory of the one and only son who comes from the father. Full of grace and truth. So again, the glory of the Lord comes to dwell with us. And of course, this is what we celebrate at Christmas, isn't it? God dwelling with us. Not in a cloud anymore, but in his son, Jesus. Jesus Christ. God's glory is revealed in Jesus. He's the manifestation of his glory, full of grace and truth. God has come. Heaven and earth meet again in the person of Jesus. Jesus is now the dwelling place of God. And so if you want to do business with God, we need to now come to Jesus. If we want to worship God, we're to worship Jesus. If you want fellowship with God, commune with Jesus. And so in the Bible reading from Hebrews today, we see the contrast from the old order of the tabernacle to the new order of Jesus. The high priest back then could only enter into the holy of holies, the most holy place, the nearest access of God, only once a year after many sacrifices of cleansing. But now Jesus has gone into the holy of holies, the most holy place. He did not enter by means of blood, of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. How much more then will the blood of Christ, through the eternal spirit, offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? See how Jesus fulfills the tabernacle? His own blood, the perfect sinless sacrifice, is how Jesus is made worthy to enter God's presence. And through it, we have eternal redemption. We have his cleansing so that we can serve the living God. We have moved from slavery, from acts that lead to death, to service. 
service of the Lord because we've been, we've been redeemed and cleansed by Jesus. So this Christmas, this Christmas, maybe you're feeling weighed down. Maybe it's from your sin. Maybe you can't move past something that you've done or you feel you're not good enough for God to love you. Maybe it's something on your heart, something that's very difficult in your life. Maybe it's something that's making life really hard for you or a relationship that's really difficult. Then know this. You have access to God. God can dwell with you if you're in Christ. If you put your trust in the the word who will dwell among you, you can have access to God the Father, even you. Because we have been cleansed, we've been redeemed, we've been made holy, so we can come to God. You are worthy to come to the Lord, the Holy Lord, because of Jesus. And then the crazy thing is, God comes to dwell in us. By his Holy Spirit, God has taken up residence in all of us. And so God takes up residence here as we gather together in church. God is present with us. He's dwelling with us. In 1 Corinthians, we read that, don't you know that you yourselves, the church, are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? There's that dwelling word again. The spirit of God dwells with us as his people gather together as church. And so what we do as God's people matters. The Corinthians were being rebuked by quarreling over their leaders. No, we as a church, we're to be people who serve the living God. And individually, God dwells with us. So again in 1 Corinthians, it says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. What we do with our bodies matter. The Corinthians were using their bodies for sexual immorality. But no, God dwells with us by his Holy Spirit in us. And so we uh, we need to be holy. And the tabernacle was where people had access to God and were able to serve and worship him because God has made his dwelling among us. And so Jesus has come to dwell among us so that God is now taking up residence in you, in us as the church, by his Holy Spirit. So this Christmas, have the comfort of knowing we have access to God through Jesus. And we have the comfort of the Holy Spirit who dwells with us as we look forward to the day of the eternal day where God dwells with his people in the final chapter of the Bible, looking at the new creation to come. The Apostle John hears a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. So as we look forward to that dwelling place, let us now worship Jesus 
who came to dwell among us. Let us come and adore him as Christ the Lord. We'll do that in our next song.